Heavenly Father, we need your spirit to hear what you have to say to us. And so we pray, Father, that your spirit through your word would point us to how we're to live unto your son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What we have in our gospel reading is the start of a single teaching session that may have lasted a few days. Matthew tells us it's a definite block of teaching that began on one occasion and we have it recorded here as a synopsis from chapters 5 to 7 in the Sermon of the Mount. And it's clear as Jesus preaches that there are two groups listening. The first groups are the disciples. But who are they? Well, we read in the preceding chapter, in chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting an end to the sea there, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. The first groups are the disciples. They'd responded to the call to repent. What Jesus is talking about there is an internal change, an inward attitude change in how you treat God. So you change from quietly ignoring him or maybe more obviously rebelling against him to treating him as your king, as your Lord. The second group are the crowds. Those who knew about Jesus had experienced their work, his work in their lives, but yet were to commit their life to him. So we read in Matthew 4, verses 23 and 25. As he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people, so his fame spread through all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various disease and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so what we have here in Matthew 5 to 7 is Jesus' induction to life in his kingdom addressed to his disciples. Yes, there are crowds listening on, but Jesus is talking to disciples. Look at Matthew 5 verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Not you could be or maybe, you are. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Not you may be or possibly or could be. You are. It's really important that we grasp these words are not primarily a recruitment drive, but actually the essential qualities of a job description for those who are in the kingdom. Jesus is not saying, if you live like this, I'll let you in. No, we cannot for one moment live up to these standards. Only God, through transforming them by his Holy Spirit, can even help us gain some of them. What Jesus is saying is, now that you're in my kingdom, this is what life is like here. This is a guide to kingdom culture for those who already belong to that kingdom. Not a rule book for gaining citizenship. And of course, the crowds are listening in. And if you're not yet a born-again Christian, can I encourage you to listen, to show you 
how wonderful it is to be a Christian. And it's also worth saying that both groups had a total misunderstanding of what it was like to be part of the kingdom of heaven. We too have our own misunderstandings of what it's like to follow Jesus. That life will be boring. We're old-fashioned. We're involved switching off your brain that you're not to think about things anymore. Well, that needs correcting too. The fact of the matter is life under King Jesus Jesus is summed up in that one word that's repeated. Blessed. It's a good, good thing. It's a blessed, joyous thing. So let's see how Jesus describes life with him as king. He says, first of all, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor person knows that he has great need or she has great need. To be poor in spirit is to be honest before God and admit that we are spiritually bankrupt and constantly needing his forgiveness. That also affects how we treat others. How can we be arrogant, be snobbish to people when we are poor in spirit? Changes how we pray. That utter dependence on God for everything is characteristics, is a characteristic of the disciple in the kingdom of heaven. That's quite different to life when we live as if we're king. Matters of our own lives and destiny. Things are different now. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, what does it mean to mourn? Well, what it doesn't mean is that Christians should always look miserable. Or that we look for suffering because the more we suffer, the more godly we may be. What it is saying is that those who follow Jesus find there is a constant background tune of grieving in their lives. Which is right because they see things as their king sees them. So this includes the grief we feel about a growing realisation of sinfulness in our world and in ourselves. And that extends to a deep sadness over the sinfulness and brokenness when we see our world as it's not supposed to be. Where we see evil prospering. Where we see God's will not yet done on earth as it is in heaven. So we mourn, or put it another way, we long for a time when all will be home and all that is wrong with the world will be put right. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to be meek? Well, it's not feeling the need to defend ourselves when we're opposed or facing challenging situations. It's when we're able to leave our case and our cause into the hands of God. To let him alone be judge. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. I'd love to take you to the rectory. Round about 5 to 5. It's a wonderful saying that if food doesn't arrive on our plates. There's a wonderful new word that's been added to the Oxford English Dictionary. It's called hangry. It's a mixture between hungry and angry. And we have a great hunger for that food to come because we know usually it comes around about five o'clock in our house. So if we don't get it around six or whatever, then people become hangry. See, you can't shake off your awareness of your need. It makes you push other things to side. Let me get some food and I'll get back to you. See, dealing with hunger is our top priority. We often get hangry. And the hunger and thirst for righteousness is just like that. 
You have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is holding back on treating people as they deserve and treating them with generosity that is not deserved. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Notice the emphasis there on what is inside us. Not on external goodness, not on wearing things to appear holy, but actually having a heart holiness. In God's kingdom, what matters is being pure in the areas of our lives that no one sees, in our minds, at the level of our motives. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are called sons of God. The idea of a peacemaker is an active one, not a passive one. It's not staying out of the way and peacefully doing nothing. No, a peacemaker actively goes out of their way to bring reconciliation and harmony. A peacemaker does whatever is needed. And as much lies within their power to bring peace when there is conflict. Now many react to conflict with gossip. Being two-faced or stoking up the aggression. Or they take that wonderful British characteristic, which is talk to everyone else but the person you're offended by. Don't deal with that individual that you have a broken relationship with. But things are different in God's kingdom. That's not how things work here. Instead of ignoring such a situation when we're in broken fellowship with one another, we deal with it. We talk about it. We pray for each other. We take enough care to speak with tact, sympathy and humility. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The king of the kingdom, Jesus, did not escape opposition from those who hated God's message and his ways. And it's no surprise that we, just like the prophets of old, will also suffer mockery. If we lived in Nigeria, maybe even death itself, we belong to him. We're now members of the kingdom of heaven. So those are the Beatitudes, as they're sometimes called. And they tell us what life with Jesus as king is like. It is blessed, not just in heaven, It is blessed now in this life. We know his forgiveness, his guidance, his comfort and care, and he provides our needs. We are satisfied. We receive mercy. We see God. They are the benefits to living under God's kingly rule. And as we've just seen, that doesn't mean life is without difficulty. But the one who is in the kingdom of heaven is blessed. I wonder this morning, are you blessed? Or are you like the crowd outside looking in? This is where true life begins, with the Lord Jesus Christ.